Alright, 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 BizzleCast listeners, welcome to a very special BizzleCast here with my buddy Adam Dietz, aka Blues Leader, to talk about the amazing show Star Wars Rebels that he got me into and uh, I just absolutely love, I burned my way through it in, in a couple weeks so that we could do this podcast. I loved it more as it went along. Um, we have top 10 lists for you, and uh, we each have a top 10 list, and we're going to describe how this is going to work. Um, but before we do so, uh, Mr. Blues Leader, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Red Leader. It is an honor to be back, and I'm glad you liked Star Wars Rebels. Um, I've enjoyed it as I've watched it and um, yeah, you know, I, I, I have watched maybe one or two episodes of the clone wars series and I felt like this is more enjoyable for me for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think the main reason is that I don't know. It, it kind of feels like I don't know the story. Whereas with the clone wars, it kind of felt like it was hard for me to understand where that story arc was happening. It almost seemed like there was too many things happening in the frame of, the timeline mm. so anyway i yeah i like the series a lot i'm glad you like it and um oh yeah yeah it was fun to fun to make a list and uh, a list i do did make i also have only seen a couple episodes of the clone wars although i know a ton about it and there's a big divide in the nerd community about which is better um which we may address at some point um mostly star wars fans love rebels uh and, and i i play games and stuff with big star wars nerds and and for the most part they really love rebels uh, men and women, all ages, great for, you know, relatively young kids, but not too young. Uh, we can sort of discuss maybe at some point, man, down the, uh, the the road in the podcast about, you know, is this age appropriate for blah, 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 blah. But I think this is very much in the Star Wars spirit um, of being a family thing that all ages can enjoy. It's certainly not without flaws, and we might talk about some of them. But I think most of our top 10 lists are, are, are going to be uh, things that we really like or love about the show or just some observations. So what's going to happen is, um, so I had Adam do his list and I did mine and about half of the list uh, were pretty similar, which is exactly what I wanted. So we're going to start out with some different points and then we're going to sort of merge in the middle and then we're going to end with some, some, uh, unique thoughts and we'll comment on each other's list. But man, I think we should just, uh, start on the rundown unless you have any, uh, any final thoughts here or not final thoughts, any opening thoughts. I do want to I want to interject that yes I would like to talk about age appropriateness in Star Wars. I had a fun family weekend in New York and there's an age there's an age appropriate consideration of Star Wars I'd like to discuss. Okay, cool. Do you want to say do you want to table that for after the list or or work it in somehow? Um yes, either talk about it now or or not. Well, why don't we or, get or do later? Yeah, why don't we get the list going and then we'll find a way to work it in somehow. I'm sure a cool. bunch of stuff that we don't expect is coming up. So here we go, guys. Here's our top ten favorite things or just cool observations about Star Wars Rebels. Um, and uh, hopefully you guys have seen Star Wars Rebels. Maybe we'll try and give a little bit of uh, of background as as we go along. Um, you know, basically it takes place, you know, like 15 years after the Clone Wars and a few years before New Hope. Uh, they're definitely setting it up to lead right into Rogue One in terms of continuity, something we'll talk about. Um, and, uh, definitely we'll end, Adam, with theories about where these characters are going vis-a-vis the, uh, you know, episode eight, episode nine and so forth. All right. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. So your number 10, go. Are we drum rolling? 
That was more like a motorboat. I don't know. Ew, gross. Dude, this is an age-appropriate <laughs> show, man. Come on. Uh, we we actually have an explicit uh, warning on the Bizzlecast, so just right, rightfully so. That was that was a mature rating right there. Good God. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares. Wait, what okay, are you talking about? 10. I'm talking about the boat with the motor. I don't know. What, you're disgusting mind. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, so without any further ado, um, and this is in no particular order, at least my list is, but um, yeah. number 10 is I wrote down subversive galaxy-wide messages um, immersed and in actually interrupting imperial propaganda or imperial television so or, or broadcasts. Love it. So yeah, there's there's these broadcasts on all these different um, planets across the galaxy in this galaxy that's far far away, and they have imperial propaganda or updates or news, what have you. And then I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but basically there is this um, ability to interrupt. There's they use technology and they interrupt these broadcasts. And have subversive, um, only in, in so much that it's not the imperial um, people broadcasting it of messages talking against the empire. So it's 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 breaking that up, and so it's kind of plotting the rebellion, or it's it's certainly rebellious in nature. But I really liked that. Um, yeah, just to. Just to, I'm sorry, just, just, to, just sure. to back up what you're saying, because I have seen it really recently, so I'm going to try yes. not to interrupt with too many details, but I want to fill in a few things, because it is really fresh Please. in my mind, which is early on in, se- in, ep- uh, in season one, Ezra broadcasts a really impassioned message that does play out with a lot of characters that they meet along the way, so that's very important. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, just, I like lots of things about this. I mean, I mean, it, it's in the context of the storyline, it's plotting out Seas of the Rebellion, it's spreading hope and that's a big word in this series but hope and ideas and that you're not alone um and i think thinking about our own political world and um universe in itself that the idea of who's saying what and interrupting that with any different idea be it a different idea of hope or be it a different idea of just like breaking up rhetoric and you know i'm not sure what truth is anymore everybody's got a bias but that said i like that there was space for disseminating different messages and so i really like that mm. that was a really cool feature of the show and yeah you know I, we could talk about that all in of itself but i, I like that very much well i think it's fair to say the, the empire represents the ultimate in fake news right and you know it's possible the rebel puts in rebels put in some fake news um, for their purposes. And, uh, you know, the show does not shy away from, and I don't want to tease, I mean, I want to tease this, but I don't get in too heavily, that they do humanize the Empire a little bit, and they certainly give flaws to the rebels. Um, but this is one where, yeah, they have to win the propaganda war, right? Because the military war is so tenuous. Right, and I think, again, we could go in a lot of directions about, I, and I do like that there there are humans in the Empire, and I think they did a good job in uh, Force Awakens with, you know, Finn being human, and um, mm-hmm. and I think Rogue One was spectacular in, oh, yes. in, in showing the complexities of the rebellion and that there were different political agendas and complicated political agendas. And so I just want to say, I want to say one thing about fake news real quick. I just want to say, and I thought this would come up as we talked about this point, is that while this was not the intention of this idea of fake news and alternative facts, the one and I'm using this in quotes, benefits of the storyline is that 
any and all of us should always, 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 always question or at least consider the source of anything we're reading. Every source we read has a bias, and you know there is no universal truth. And even when you think there is, you know, I, I, the only truth that we really know is what we see from our own perspective, and it's always slanted. And so I know that's not what Trumpites are arguing, but I do hope that us with a little more sophistication are reminded that we should always be checking our sources and checking our quote unquote facts. I'm hoping you're preaching to the choir for the most part, but that message all continues to need to be heard. Um, And dude, this crazy reality is even though they have spaceships and laser swords, they don't have the internet. So we actually have less of an excuse for buying bullshit than they do. Cause they're using like radios essentially. I mean like, you know, videographic radios, you know, they can't just cross, they just can't cross check a fact that the empire spews out on their, you know, their iPhone. That's just not their technology level. So it is an interesting contrast. It's interesting you say that too, because I've been thinking about um, Rogue One and like how the dissemination of data, I yes. know that that was kind of one of the, the talking points and I don't know. There's, there's a lot to be said about that, but I think let's just leave that. And there's, there's a lot that can, that can go on as far as the internet and technology yeah. and information and that's a different topic altogether but i like that this topic this 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 number 10 on adam deets blues leaders list introduces this topic and this topic could go on forever i mean you know i never needed wanted or thought that there would ever be any like sort of logistical explanation but i have to say seeing rogue one a couple times starting to watch rebels watching rebels and then seeing rogue one another couple times those two properties are doing huge things in terms of making the Star Wars universe a little bit more believable uh, within its own narrative, if that makes sense. Like, they're doing tons of world building in, in these properties, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I, think, I, think that's, and I think that's something that we've talked about in the past, is one of the things we liked about Rogue One was, like, expanding the universe and, 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 and just giving more breadth to this universe, this galaxy far, far away, yep. and that it's not just so black and white, that there is a lot more going on than just the Skywalkers, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and uh, um, I'm going to tease that we have, let's just put it this way, there are some theories out there connecting the Rebels crew to uh, episode episode 8 and 9 you know, of the, st- the ongoing saga. We'll save that for the end, but I will say, in terms of tone, I can totally see Rebels kind of turning into quote-unquote Rogue One. Like, it feeds in so perfectly in terms of characters and everything else. But let's move on, because we're going to hit a lot of the specifics you know, for, for, for what I'm talking about here. Um, I'm going to jump actually to the polar opposite side for my number 10 and talk about the animation style really quickly, which is that it feels, even though on the surface it looks like Pixar 3D shit, it, the way it's animated and, and filmed and moves is way more like anime, like good anime than usual 3D stuff. Usual 3D stuff is really smooth, you know what I mean? And like they're giving you lots of bizarre camera angles and stuff like that. They shoot rebels like like a movie, you know, and they don't unnecessarily move the camera around. Like how many TV shows do you watch where it's just scenes of 10 people talking with a spinning camera going back and forth, you know, like enough already. Like it's very restrained in the, the cinematography or whatever you want to call it in rebels. But, you know, you know how when they're fighting in general, but specifically with the lightsabers, how it's like fast, slow. Fast, slow, fast, like, you know, really fast, really slow. 
it works so well with the Star Wars aesthetic. In some ways, Rebels realizes the Star Wars aesthetic. I think Lucas was trying to do with the prequels, honestly. And I think this is just better because you can have Kanan throw three people across a chasm and have them jump across and have it seem believable, you know? Whereas in a live-action movie, it would never seem believable. Um, I don't know if you have any, have any thoughts on the, on the, the animation style that they, they chose to employ um, which is very fairly realistic, you know. I mean, it's definitely stylized, but um, I don't know. I, I I find it appealing. At first, it was it was off putting, and that now I find it find it as a, a huge strength for, for the show. Hey, I I have a few comments. So, yeah. f- first, I recall you not liking it, so it was interesting to see it on your top ten list, and I was I was I was. Yeah, I totally flipped on this one. Well, I didn't see the I didn't see the lightsaber battles. Yeah, I find that really noteworthy. Um, I like the animation. I want to say that. Um, I don't know if I have. A sophisticated analysis of it. However, I would say that I like cartoons. Um, I really like graphic novels. I I like um, I like animated movies. I like, and so I think there's a lot of different animation styles. And something I've noticed, and this is you know, I'm, I don't I have not gone to school in this subject. I can't speak about this academically, but animation has gone a certain direction. Like it's changed and. You know, I think it's. Died. I like this. What's that? It's died outside of Japan. We don't get any traditional like two D cell hand drawn animation anymore. It's crazy. Well, there's some really. I mean, if I watch like a modern cartoon, for example, like I actually, and I think this is, I think it is you know, animated by Japanese um, artists. Would be um, there's a new Voltron that's on Netflix. Oh, I, actually I know. Really like I've been meaning to watch. I think that it's probably. awesome. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's well done. Yeah, I love Ultra. However, they do employ some of these new animation techniques. And maybe this started with uh, like stuff like Pokemon, which I never watched, or Dragon Ball Z. But it has these moments where like characters get really silly, and it has these kind of weird animation stuff. I know. I think the newest Spider-Man series also does it. And to me, I mean, I don't like that. I mean, I think animation has gone a weird way, and like some of these cartoons are really difficult. Like newer cartoons are really hard for me to watch. You know, because I'm not used to that animation style, and it's like the whole delivery, where you know, like my the animation I grew up on would be like Disney Afternoon or um, you know the Ninja Turtles, and then you know eventually leading towards Batman, which was like the coolest thing ever. And so, it's a long way to say that I let, I prefer this animation style to many of the other animation styles of what's going on now, even to like a Voltron, which I like, but I think that this 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 show while being targeted for children, it doesn't, it doesn't really give, it doesn't go, make itself too silly. Like it has, you know, like it'll have chop, chopper being silly and characters being silly to one another to have comedic relief, but it doesn't have kind of like the really annoying, I think, and, and uh, I don't mean any offense, but I think some of the anime style cartoons where they have these kind of really silly cutesy moments. Which, yeah. When I say anime, I'm specifically talking about ghost in the shell, Akira, Cowboy sure, Bebop, sure, sure. the 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 creme de la creme. Uh, this is a huge compliment. The dramas, the dramas. Yeah, yeah, yeah the dramas. in Ghost in the Shell, they'll barely move anything but their mouths for twenty three minutes, and then all of a sudden they're like invisible, invading a base, blowing guys' heads off, and then you just have these amazing still shots of like the death scene, and then it's like boom, next scene. You know what I mean? Like it's obviously yeah. not that crazy on Rebels, but I love the pacing. It feels herky jerky at first, but when you get the rhythm of it, I think it's excellent. But uh, you know, just to break it down to something more simple like look at the facial designs of the crew amazing sabine looks perfect yeah. uh Hera looks perfect zeb looks perfect i mean rex is the only one that looks weird but that's because he's supposed to look like 
a clone from the prequels. Um, right. and, and he does, you know, I mean, Kanan, per, you know, I, in Ezra, I like that they give him kind of a big nose and big ears, but he's still, you know, a good looking kid. Like it's, I, I don't know. Sabine in particular is a work of art. I mean, it, it's fitting that she's the artist because w- with just how they do her hair and her eye color and stuff like that, um, just really excellent. Um, it's an amazing team they have there. And this is, this was my, I wanted to just right from the beginning, give mad props to the production team, including the writers, which we'll save for some other points, but the, the art, the art and computer animation, um, just top notch. So that's my number 10. Okay. So I'm going for my number nine. I put Imperial Spy Fulcrum. I hope that's the right name. I think it's yes. Fulcrum. Well, uh, it was Fulcrum Ahsoka? I can't remember. They have No. No. Well, it, 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 I that, think it was both. Don't quote me on that. Maybe, yes. Yeah. I think Fulcrum is I think Fulcrum is actually not an entity. It is more yes. of a call sign for like many people. So I love this character. I can't wait for you to talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think it's so I thank you for saying that. So I retract my no and say yes, I think Fulcrum is a is not just one entity, but a multifaceted like call sign. It's almost like a an ideal. It's almost like wearing the uh, like the guy fox mask, right? And and so I love that. Um, God, what's his name? The guy with the chops. He's got crazy chops. And um, special agent Callus played yes. by you. People, you will not believe this, people, unless you're a rebels nerd. David Ilowo multiple time oscar nominated one of the great actors you know i mean african-american actors and actors that we have voicing uh, this evil white imperial guy who turns out to be way more complicated i don't i don't know how they got him on board so early but it was brilliant he's amazing is he is he evil i mean no no that's well i I didn't want to ruin the twist i thought you know i thought you were going to talk about it yeah (laughs) right so that's and I think I think there's a, there's a, there was a point. I mean, I kind of felt like there was something about. I was wondering why Callus stuck around as long as he did, because at some point, yeah, he seemed like, like he keeps, yeah, he, he keeps fucking up. Like he keeps fucking up, yep. and you know he has he has encounters with with uh, Vader. Like he has encounters with these Inquisitors, and it's like at some point, it's like, dude, you keep fucking up. Like, aren't your days numbered? Like, and that that might be a plot hole here because I feel like he keeps messing. So my thinking, my thinking is that it's somewhat of a plot hole. I still, I still do. I mean, I'm curious for your rebuttal on that. But I mean, you know, Admiral Thrawn seems to. I don't have rebuttal. I think Admiral Thrawn knows that he is the spy. But um, yep. it, it's just, it's just interesting. But anyway, I that like that there is a great. spy. I like how that came about. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Thrawn knows, so it's just a matter of time. I would love if that was the case. Yeah. Some, some of this comes to a head. Um, but I do, I do wonder, I, I, I think Vader would have choked him out like a long time ago. If I, if I know Vader the way I think I do, but, um, that I'll, I'll, I'll pass that on over to you, red leader. But, okay. Two brilliant things. One for the first two seasons, he keeps screwing up, doesn't get in trouble. And he looks so confident and happy with himself for, despite that every time. And you're going, who is this character? Like he's the dumbest. They, he sounds so smart, but he, he makes the dumbest decisions, blah, blah, blah. And then you realize, I, I think they knew this from the beginning. And that was kind of the point of making him coy about what was going on. Uh, but the really brilliant thing is that he has that episode with Zeb where they help each other out before it's revealed to them who he is. So he has to pretend like he really hates Zeb and he's working for the Empire, that whole episode where they're stranded there. 
that's that that's like some that's some like you know like uh fucking you know assassin shit i mean you know what i mean like emotionally psychologically um i don't know if you remember that episode yeah i do and i'm you know i do remember the timeline and funny like before before we began the Bizzlecast, i was actually watching gangs of new york which is a crazy movie but you know yeah leo DiCaprio, leonardo DiCaprio is kind of playing doing the same thing like he's kind of going rogue double agent stuff and you know he stops like the one guy he wants dead he stops someone else from killing him basically because he wants to do it i mean i think the departed was was a better scorsese and leo execution of that same thing but they had time to build on it with that movie yeah so tell me why tell me why vader has allowed callus to keep on going like why hasn't vader choked that guy out yet Okay, there's a couple explanations. One, which I don't think is the case, is there's some forced stuff with Callus. It's possible he is kind of uh, like Chirrut in Rogue One, maybe without even realizing it, you know, that he's kind of like a ninja without having force powers, but kind of just feels what's going on. Uh, I think Thrawn has been vouching for him, and, and yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it that closely, but for the ultimate betrayal to be Thrawn to use him to get to them, in the end, I, I think would be would be a brilliant stroke. I, I mean, I think that's what's going to happen. I guess, and here's another critique of Rebels. It's not a critique of Rebels, but it does make me question, like, it's a plot. It's not a plot hole, but I guess here's a, a, a moment of skepticism is that, sure. I mean, as as far as we know in the in this Rebels thing like that crew of the ghosts like they are kind of the most vexing troubling like entity plaguing the empire well, they're the best like up until maybe 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 up until season three when you know general sato starts building up the fleet and now okay it's it's a bigger thing so with that in mind i just kind of feel like maybe vader would have taken care of them like a long time ago and we have vader in the series but like, why, what is Vader doing this whole time? Like, does he just have bigger fish to fry? Like, I feel like he should have fucked this shit up a long time ago and just like put them all to their death and it well, would have been over. Chronologically, Vader would be, you know, on his way to looking for Kenobi and Luke, regardless of what they've told us in Rebels. Like, those are his two, you know, I think he's, he, I mean, look, he knew Natalie Portman was pregnant, right? And he got separated from her and they said she died, but he- Come on. They said the babies died too, didn't they? They did, but I'm saying I'm saying died. Vader. If you have even a five percent inkling that maybe they were lying to you, and you have mad force powers, I mean, let's be honest. That's how he senses Luke and then Leia eventually for that exact reason. So, um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, what was he doing in know. his castle um, on on the lava planet in Rogue One? You know. I guess he does need he needs time to kind of put his shit together. I suppose that's suppose I that's true. I don't know. I mean, it's they're trying to make Vader through the Rogue One portrayal um, and reenacting kind of the scene from Empire where he's recharging. I think we're meant to think that as powerful as Vader is, he needs like long periods of recharge because of the trauma he yeah, went through. Yeah, you know, it's the only way I can explain it. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable, and I, I will I will accept that answer. We're about to get to the point where we have like four or five related things in in common. So uh, we'll take a couple more here before then. I really like that Ezra can talk to and has empathy for animals and other non advanced aliens. I think that's great. I mean, they're setting him up to be such a, a, a selfish douchebag like Anakin and early Luke, and he's just not. I mean, 
I criticized him in the beginning because I happened to watch like one episode where he was whiny, but it's only like one or two episodes a season where he's truly whiny. And he usually has a point, you know? And Kanan being, you know, a short-tempered guy and letting Ezra be right sometimes was crucial to the writing. If you if you had Kanan write 99 out of 100, you know, with, with the, his battles with Ezra, it, it would get old very quickly. It, and I think one of the huge strengths is that they constantly make situations where certain members of the crew are right, certain are wrong, and certain it's, you know, there's no right answer. Um, and to work some moral ambiguity into a show like this, I think is very impressive. Yeah, I, 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 I like that too. Um, I think that kind of leads, I, you know, Kanan and Ezra, their relationship and Ahsoka and, you know, what they mean for the Jedi. And Let's jump into it. Let's move around. I'm keeping track of this on my, uh, my little document here. So let's jump into Ezra, Kanan, the Jedi stuff. Let's get it all out there. Yeah, so I think as so I mean I think one of the things we've learned about the Force over our 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 many adventures across this galaxy is that you know the Force is not just wielded by the Jedi or the Sith that the Force is everywhere it's everything and so so all right man let's let's jump into the Jedi stuff and I just uh, before we we took a quick break there I was gonna say you were kind of complaining a little bit about lack of Jedi stuff. I think it must have been mid-season three of Rebels before I started watching. I gotta say, dude, the Jedi stuff is fucking amazing. And there's a pretty good amount of it, but I binged it. So I could totally see week to week, you know, some of the just like, uh, you know, smuggling run episodes uh, um, could seem a little dragged on, I guess. But yeah, I mean, you're always going to be waiting for the Jedi episode. And maybe let's work back here, uh, backwards here, man. The most recent episode, Darksaber, you know, where Ezra and and Kanan start training Sabine with a a lightsaber. She's not a Jedi, but she's definitely a good enough fighter if she could stay disciplined to fight with it. I thought this was maybe the best episode of the series. Definitely the best of the, the, the season and one of the best of the series. Um, they just keep one-upping themselves. They could have gotten stuck with just like, let's keep adding Inquisitors, and, and they keep finding new and interesting ways to, to talk about the, the Jedi stuff that we love, right? I do agree this is one of the strongest episodes. Um, it's definitely one of the strongest episodes. Um, yeah, I think with the Jedi, I mean, what I was saying before we left was that I like, I mean, to, to continue with your mentioning of Ezra and the animals. I mean, Ezra connects, you know, through the force with species that don't necessarily speak his language or speak a language in the same way. Um, you know, I think as we've learned in the galaxy, it's not just Jedi's or Sith that can wield the force, but can also communicate through the force and helps solidify that. Um, but speaking of the Jedi specifically, I mean, I think my huge question since watching this show is, you know, a, how did Kane not get killed by the clones? B, you know, does that mean he's less of a Jedi than these other guys? Maybe he was kind of a semi-Jedi. <laughs> three, three is, you know, what? Who is Ezra? Like, who is Ezra, and where is he during all of, you know, basically episodes four, five, six, seven, eight? Like, who is Ezra, and so where was he? And, you know, I think as Rogue One has helped me see that there's stuff happening besides the story happening to the Skywalkers. So perhaps Ezra's been doing stuff this whole time through episodes four, five, six, seven that has major play, although it's you would think in the rebellion and blowing up 
Death Stars that he would be a major part in that. But who knows? Maybe maybe he's something else. Maybe he gets into trouble. Maybe he joins the dark side. And of course, maybe he is Sabine's father and has to run away. Like, who knows? But, Ray's, um, Ray's father. Ray's father. Oh, maybe we talk about the Bendu. What an amazing, you know... Uh, powerful being from the forest to insert into this bizarre you know even crazier universe i love the bendu and you know that's voiced by the original doctor who like an extremely legendary uh, knighted english actor i did not know that but i love the bendu and i love that and yes so yeah so whatever whatever happens with the jedi here i love that there's more than just maybe even the last Jedi. I mean, is that really even a fair name? Like, is it, is it really the last Jedi? What does that really mean? So I think things are more than a meet the eye in this universe. And I don't think, I think that title is intentional and I think it's intentionally misleading. And I, I like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that was basically, yeah. My theory is it's going to end up meaning Luke is the last Jedi in the old mold and whatever Ray is, is something new that they're not going to call a Jedi. I don't know. We shall see. Okay. We shall see. So just because we were exchanging emails on the, and talk about this article or whatever, um, two questions. One, if, if your wish is granted and Ezra is the father of Ray, how do you feel about Benicio del Toro being the guy? That's awesome. That's a great casting. I think it's awesome. It's amazing. And first of all, it's not my wish. It's just it's just my my thought. I mean, I just think it's possible. Oh, you want it's it. in the realm. Of, you want him to bang Sabine and have a baby. I yeah. I definitely don't care about that. But um, I, I it's just something I've thought for a while. And so if I was right, I'd be right. But I mean, I just don't want it to be Luke. I feel like that's too easy. Like I don't want it to be Luke or Han. Like I don't want it to be another. I want it to be more than just the fucking Skywalkers. Like I would like it if it was a Kenobi. They're just not a Skywalker. I'm tired of the Skywalkers. I'm a little annoyed that Kylo Ren is like a child of, you know, Han and Leia, but whatever. Hopefully that becomes less annoying later on. Well, the problem with Kylo Ren being a Skywalker is that it almost forces them to make Rey a Skywalker so that they're at least distant relations, I think. Well, however, however, if Obi-Wan slept with Padme... And she, you know she was a, a daughter of of that, then she would still be related to Kylo Ren, right? Through Padme, am I missing something? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, you're right. But it's just like, uh, can we do we do we have to go there? Can we can we can we make it a little less annoying? Like, I think that's just I think that's that's like Game of that's I think I think that's Game of Thrones writing. It's just like let's create drama for the sake of drama. Like enough. Like stop it. Well, I, I'm with you, dude. I, I, I'm I'm totally with you. But I will say I had concerns about that very thing with the daddy situation in Rogue One, and I I don't think they could have made that story without that relationship. And it was very subtle and different from the other ones. I think. Yeah, and I mean, look, we have it with Ray. I mean, Ezra has it too. I mean, that just seems like part of the Star Wars story, and. I guess because maybe I don't have daddy issues, I don't relate as well. But right. yeah, I don't know. I'm a little annoyed that daddy issues permeate this universe so much. But be that as be that as it may. Well, my hope was that Ray and and uh, Leia were going to form, uh, you know, a strong relationship at some point. It's possible we might get some of that in this movie. It's sad to think what could have been in Episode Nine. 
I will quickly say there's no way Ray's going to the dark side and Kylo Ren becomes the good guy. That's just not happening. This website, which is why I'm skeptical. But going back to, to, to Ezra now, yeah, I mean, they've already skirted all the rules, so why can't they retcon some more stuff in terms of the Jedi? It does seem likely that not every single one would be killed, right? I mean, this is actually a way more realistic scenario. It does seem it does seem fair. It does seem like, you know, the Jedi were pretty badass, so like, you know, you would kind of maybe see something coming. So yeah, I don't know. Who was so who was Kanan's was Ahsoka? Ahsoka wasn't Kanan's. Ahsoka was Anakin's no. uh, disciple. Who was Kanan's master? Correct. Do you know? Um he might have said so. I I can't I can't remember. I think it's a mystery. So man, let's let's talk about the important stuff. And I mentioned to you off mic that you know, I get annoyed listening to Rebels talk on some of the Star Wars stations because it's like you can tell they like it, but they, they're just finding reasons to pick it apart. I know it's not perfect, you know, but I'm the kind of person when I get into a show, I try and focus on the things I like, you know, and, and I'll criticize stuff if it's way out of whack. But there's nothing way out of whack for me on, on Rebels. Um, you know, it gets a little tiring with the space battles after a while. Coming from me, you never thought you'd hear that. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I I love the relationship with Kanan and Ezra. I love it. I mean, it's everything we've wanted from a, a from a Padawan relationship and haven't gotten in any of the movies. Because let's be honest, Luke's with Ben for like a quarter of a movie. He's with Yoda for like a quarter of a movie, and then he trains himself, right? And then Anakin. Let's not even get started. Um, so uh, I love the relationship, man. I, I don't know how if, if you feel it to be convincing, if it gets tiring to you, but it, it continues to work for me at the moment. Absolutely. I think, I think to me, Kanan is the most interesting character yes. at this point in the story. Yes. Hera could be, but we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, she is. I don't think they... No, I mean yeah, in the future. I, I mean, I'm saying in the future, she, she maybe will end up being. But right now, Kanan, 100%. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Kanan's had the biggest story arc. He's had the biggest transformation. Um, I think he has the most depth. And I think, you know, I mean, it's it's almost, you know, like we always see these Jedis as like these kind of perfect people. And oh, like, yeah. he's not. And he's, yeah. re- he's really fallible. And maybe he's not really a Jedi, but or whatever. I, I like that. Hit, I like the arc of his story. And um, I also like that it's Freddie Prince Jr. I actually know who that is. Married to Sarah Michelle Geller. Ow, ow. So I, I like I like his relationship with um, with Ezra. I think that um, you know I, I think him and Hera are dating. I think that's the vibe I get. Um, yep. And I just I, I think Kanan yeah boning. I think Kanan is the most interesting character. And so and I am curious also of, about Kanan's fate. Like what happens to Kanan? Like where is he in four, five, and six? Not that I'm not interested in Hera in four, five, and six or Sabine. I mean, I mean now. And Zeb, like I guess I'm starting to be interested in these characters too, but I do have a bias from growing up with the earlier Star Wars movies that I'm interested in the, in these Jedi's, and so that's kind of who I care about most. Yeah, I mean, if you look at where Rebels is right now, they're leading the fleet, they're building the rebellion. We, we saw the ship and we heard Hera's name in Rogue One. When I when I knew to look for it, they said you know General whatever the hell her last name is. Um, they're clearly going to be, you know, part of whatever happens in a new hope. The big question is what happens to them in like the three to five years between a new hope and return of the Jedi? I think those are huge questions. And I'm curious, I'm curious 
to see what happens. I mean, and, and to be fair, like I'm almost more interested in that than learning anything more about Han Solo. Honestly, like I'm not, I don't, I'm not really feeling these Han Solo movies. No, 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 no. I don't care. It doesn't matter because we're, dude, we're gonna keep getting saga movies with lightsaber shit. Don't worry about it. What if, what if Amelia Clark is Ahsoka? That doesn't help me. It doesn't change that I'm not interested in Han Solo. I'm just not interested in Han Solo anymore. I could see it though, man. She'd be a good Ahsoka. And by the way, Ahsoka is a fantastic character and beautiful design. And when I say beautiful design, I mean beautiful design. I mean, you know, I mean just what they do with her hair is crazy. (laughs) Stop projecting on me, uh, Mister. Um, So way uh, to go, Papa Bizzle. Good job, Papa Bizzle. (laughs) Ouch! Ouch! That is a low blow. Yeah, man. I mean, look, Kanan's amazing. He's a total badass. Freddie uh, Freddie Prince Jr. puts on a great voice. I mean, it's clearly him, but he's not just mailing it in. Like, he's definitely come up with a voice for Kanan, which is great. I love his rapport with Ezra. And the thing is, man, is Ezra, you know, occasionally annoying? Maybe. You know, at this point, it doesn't really bother me. But he's so much more worthy of being a Padawan in some ways. I mean, Luke and Anakin just stumbled into it, and neither of them are particularly bright. Ezra's the smartest of the three of them, by far. He's more like Rey, yeah, right? I mean, Ezra's like Rey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, hey, w- wait, what did you say? Yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's going to be Sabine. I think she's too oh, strong with man. the Force. I think it's going to be uh, like Ahsoka or Ahsoka's daughter or something like that. I, I don't know. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Yeah, I mean, do you really think they have chemistry? Honestly, I don't think she's interested. Um, I think she kind of is. I you mean, do? he's definitely okay. interested, but I think she Oh, for sure. Dude, the first season like he's like in love with her. No, 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 no. Her her to him. Oh, I think she's a little bit interested. Yeah. I she's, think she's impressed. I think she's a little interested in him. I mean, what do I know? I don't know anything about women. Yeah, I me neither. Bit, I think she's a little bit interested. Deets, this is... But... Wait, I gotta stop you real quick. This is the the second straight podcast where the two podcasters, me being one, talked about not understanding women <laughs> in completely different contexts. Uh, but, uh, awesome. I, I, look... I want to say something important. I want to say Oh, something sorry. Important. Say something important. Okay. I want to postulate something real quick. So... One of the things we've talked about offline that I just want to throw out there for it's kind of rhetorical more than anything else is who can breed with who in the Star Wars universe? Yes, like, it's true. Can Ahsoka and Ezra breed? Like, can Hera and Kanan breed? Like, you know, as we as we um, as we hypothesize who the are and who their offspring may be, I feel like that's a huge question that I don't know the answer to. So I just want to put that rhetorical question out there as a caveat to any of this hypothesizing. You know what? Star Trek spent 50 years trying to explain this by making it realistic and and it makes even less sense. (laughs) There's no way to address this. Yeah. I mean, it's rhetorical. That's all it is. It's just rhetorical. I mean, and I guess to, to, to add on to that rhetorical comment is to even say further is you know just because Sabine looks like Ezra from a um, gosh from I guess a Star Trek perspective, they might not be able to breed together either. So you know who am I to, who am I to say that it's Ezra and Sabine? Uh, my I think my understanding is, and this is just totally interpretational, is that you know every major species that we see, we just have to assume that there's a bunch of subspecies. 
And so I think the humanoid, you know, uh, race has a lot of subspecies. I think Sabine would be in that. I don't know enough about Ahsoka. It's hard Hera? to tell. Um, Hera, I don't Hera? know. Hera, I do not know. I mean, the way they, they, they you know, design them, then for sure. But, you know, I, it's impossible to know. But the we're just... Yeah. So, cause, because, because from a humanoid perspective, they have two arms, two legs, boobs, and like, you know, other reproductive organs. Like, we just assume that that's, that they can, that's, which is fine. I'm just, that's kind of the Star Trek assumption, right? Yeah. No, it's funny you say that. There's been a lot of written about this. And actually, uh, one of the things that the Mass Effect games and universe gets praised for is that humans are very insignificant and lacking in power and population in that particular, uh, you know multi-alien uh, galaxy or whatever i mean you play a human but it, it's not like star wars where all the important characters are human like most of the important characters are not human and they're the least advanced now that is a continuation of our you know our world this is it, this is something totally different it is interesting though whether crossbreeding will ever be addressed uh, you know in all of these star wars properties it's so yeah the whole question of sabine and ezra and kanan and, and hera hinges exactly on that okay i'm done with that point that's all i just want to put that out there i passed the baton to red leader it's your it's yours red leader so we're still we're still in in the jedi stuff which is great um i want to talk about maul and yoda and so forth and the inquisitors um just to take a quick side trip i love hera the character of hera i mean First of all, have you seen uh, Firefly, the, t- the TV show? Because this is basically the Star Wars version of Firefly. I mean, they are the Firefly pirate crew. Um, they've moved the genders around in terms of the, the positions that they have, but uh, they have a lot of the same archetypes. You know, I mean, it, it, these go these go way back. But the fact that she is she's the most capable leader. Um, not despite being a woman, but because she is a woman. She's got empathy, compassion, realism, sternness, but it always comes from a place of love and care. And she's like mom and dad, even though Kanan is sort of dad in some ways. Extremely understated love story. And, you know, the pilot and captain thing is clearly a metaphor for being a mother and moral leader. She's great and a brilliant character. Thoughts? And the best pilot in the galaxy is, unless we're counting Darth Vader. I mean, she's a kick-ass pilot. Um, what else would I add to that? And I mean, she she also has family drama. She has daddy issues too, but different ones. And um, I, her daddy issues don't annoy me actually. I I I like I like her characterization a lot too. I, I don't have a lot to add to what you said, but just echo it very much so. Yeah, yeah. Sabine's parental issues got way more interesting in the most recent episode, the Darksaber episode. Uh, By the way, just a quick shout out to Sabine just being a badass. It's funny, you know, I listen to the male podcasters and they're like, oh, she's one dimensional, blah, 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 blah. And I listen to the female podcasters and they love her and then they see all the complexity to her that, you know, the bomb specialist would also be like a badass graffiti artist you know what i mean and like actually have some complex stuff going on and they're doing the right thing with the dark saber to, to, to make it even more complex uh but she did have the best star wars parody line of rebels <laughs> where they're on geonosis and she goes stupid sand gets everywhere <laughs> yes yes i um 
and I want to say one more thing about Hera. Um, I also like, I don't know what her species is um, off the top of my head. Twi'lek. A who? The Twi'lek or Twi'lek. Okay. I will leave that for you um, to, to say again. But I like, so correct me if I'm wrong. We've seen them before in Return of the Jedi, correct? Yeah, they're dancing for, for Jabba. Correct. Right. So they are sex object. They're yep. objectified. And, and they totally flip it on its head here. Yes, and I, I like that very much. I'm thankful for Rebels for doing that. I think that was I think that was intentional, and I am appreciative of it. I like that, and thank you, Rebels. Good job. Seriously. Hey, man, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, yet another point for Rebels is for having extremely strong, complicated, relatable, real, uh, but heroic female characters. You know, I'm always preaching about this. Well, but and also one that was previously objectified. So I think there are species that was objectified. So I think it's, it just flips it on the head and does so intentionally. And I think, you know, like, again, you, you can say that we've, we, you've talked about this a lot. And I really like that. at the Bizzle cast is the role of females and role of female characters and characterization in star Wars. But you know, like, I mean, Leia's sex slave suit. I mean, you can say something about that. Um, yeah, but that was so temporary. I, I mean, I mean, I think I think a feminist might take issue with some of the objectifying aspects of Star Wars um, and the original trilogies. I'm not criti- I mean, I, I I will offer that as a criticism that it is there is some um, object- objectifying there, and I like that um, Rebels pushes it forward a little bit. I think the other ones do too. That it's as progressive as Star Wars was. That might be one of the criticisms, and I like that these newer episodes are are portraying women in even more more diverse ways. I, I, I totally agree with you, man. And, and the you know the slave bikini was not a good look, although ultimately she got the best revenge ever, you know, for being a sex slave. I mean, to, you know, to have her kill the guy, like strangle him was fucking awesome. And, you know, I guess for me, like Leia is so clearly the coolest and most capable uh, both character and actor in the original Star Wars trilogy. And, and there was nothing like her again until, you know, Ray 30 years later, essentially in an action movie of any sort on the big screen, you know? I mean, like, you know, Elizabeth Swan and the Pirates of the Caribbean. Are you kidding me? Like, it just doesn't exist, you know? Um, I think Star Wars, it, there's plenty to criticize. But overall, it's been very empowering towards women. If anything, the prequels took a step back, you know, because you only had Natalie Portman and she wasn't exactly empowered as either an actor or uh, character. I will say, though, man, again, as uh, with Rebels, making uh, Anakin's secret um, apprentice Ahsoka is fucking brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Do you think she's still alive? Um, the last time we saw her, Vader took her. Is that correct? Last time we saw her, they were behind doors that were closing, fighting. There wasn't really, and then he just walked out. We didn't see her. I, I, you know. Okay, so last we saw her, her and Vader were fighting, and then we see Vader walk out alone. Mm Mm-hmm. But no definitive evidence, one way or the other, of what what went down. Well, this is before Rogue One, yes. Uh, I think at this point we're, yeah, we're like two or three years before Rogue One. Okay. So it may be that Vader's heart has hardened, you know, for, you know, since Rogue One. Right. So, or like before Rogue One and like leading up to Rogue One. So there may have been some empathy. He might not have been as ruthless as he became and becomes. So with that in mind, he might have a little bit of sympathy for Ahsoka. 
It may be that she survives. He may have tried to turn her to the dark side. And I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a yes. I think she's alive. So this brings us to a, a, a quick conversation we should have, which is we've both. Wait a minute. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, um, what do I think should happen? Or what do I think it did happen? Do you think she's alive or not? Just to answer the phone. Yes, question. absolutely. I mean, if they if they go you long enough, to, yeah. If they go long enough to bring her back, I mean, they're not going to tell us until the episode where she comes back. But my guess is, if they go a couple more seasons, Asarco's coming back for sure. Okay, there it is. So uh, I was just going to say, you know, she was introduced in the Clone Wars, and Anakin's a major character in the Clone Wars, and they got a totally different voice actor, and it's way better than Hayden Christensen. But uh, you know, I, I didn't love it because. <laughs> it's like knowing where it's going within knowing where it's going. <laughs> you know, we already knew where the right, prequels right. were going. And then here's a story that takes place within the prequels where we've already been told things too many times right. with too much exposition. Right. And by making a complex plot, it doesn't solve the problem. I'd much rather have character development. Every episode in Rebels, for the most part, with all the action, is to develop one character or another, I think. I agree. And I, I think you are better articulated why I don't why the Clone Wars didn't work for me, because we know this story. You, you articulated what I was trying to say, so thank you. All right, so um, we're going to close out um, uh, Jedi for now, uh, but we have to talk about the you know coolest and most interesting and important part, which is the role of the dark side. I'm going to let you have the first crack at this one. I have talked about this, I think, on other podcasts, but... Um, there's a shout to, I don't know if he'll listen to our podcast, but I can tell him about it. Um, I have a, a friend who uh, is an employee at the Alameda Island Brewing Company, and he is a Star Wars junkie, but he is an admitted and unapologetic um, fan of the Sith. He adheres to the Sith. I mean, he doesn't literally adhere to it, but that's who he sides with. And I don't think he sides with the Empire, per se, but he sides with the Sith. No, it's like, it's like Wicca stuff. Right. And so I think that's cool. And so I think that Star Wars Rebel has done, Rebels has done a good job of broadening what the dark side is and not just making it good and bad. Like it's a little bit more complex than that. There are benefits and understandable benefits and attractive benefits to the dark side of the force. And, um, you know, I think in the in the prequel, in the in the originals, you know, like it, it would just seem like, oh, well, how could anybody just? Of course, you don't join the dark side. Like it's bad. You know, like why would anyone? Like why would he turn? It's bad. It's bad. And now you see. And I think I think I think uh, Return Revenge of the Sith or whatever the third one was did a good job of like there may be other motives to turn to the dark side. Like you know, maybe the ability to save someone you love or to live on forever. Like there are. There are desirable aspects of the dark side and human, you know, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to use that word, but human and relatable humane aspects of the dark side. And I, I like that the dark side gets more breadth in this in rebels. And I, I think that's important. First of all, yes, you can use human because we all know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, as to your point about, uh, the, your Sith friend, which I find disturbing, but I kind of get, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I play the empire when I play like star Wars games and stuff, uh, but, um, it, it's kind of proving the point of what the dark side does, right? Which is seduce people. Uh, I wonder if he's considered that I'm sure he has and, and, and finds it ironic. Uh, 
But, I, th- dude, there's been Sith fanboys since before Sith was a word and there was just Darth Vader. I mean, do you know who the, the two best-selling ever Star Wars like likenesses in, in anything from, a, you know, a magnet to, uh, you know, a toy to a, you know, whatever? I mean, Vader and Yoda. Actually, it's Vader and R2. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there you go. So you have the darkest of the dark character and then the most heroic of the heroic characters. Um, and yeah, man, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there there is something to be said about they're more powerful, they're more interesting, it, the Jedi seem kind of boring, and again, I, this is why I love the Kane and Ezra thing, is they're making it kind of cooler to be a Jedi and, and a badass at the same time because they're pirates, you know, um, w- which is great. Um, although they're doing that with Ray too, you know, it, it's a, it's a nice pivot. Uh, they, they sort of just, I mean, you know, everyone says, you know, Ray's just Han Solo mixed with Luke Skywalker, basically, you know? And, uh, and I, I, I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a bad move. Um, but w- we've discussed about Darth Vader. Where is he? There are theories. So I would love to hear from you specifically, man, about uh, the Inquisitors, what your interpretation of who they are and what their true power level is, and then uh, Maul, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't understand the Inquisitors. Like, that. that's, you know, are they... So, like, if Kanan is not a real Jedi, which I guess we, he is not, we're saying, is, are we agreeing to that? Well, Kanan, no, Kanan was His made... His training a, wasn't complete. Kanan was made a Jedi Master via Yoda, basically, at, at the end of Season 2 or something like that. He's a Jedi Knight, officially. Okay. So, yeah, the Inquisitors clearly have some force power but they're not sits because there's only two but then there's also this snoke guy later on so i don't know i'm not sure what that happens i mean i guess i guess you could re- i don't know i don't know why they're inquisitors and what they can do um but i guess they're not full sith lords um i'm not sure why we haven't seen any in season three i guess they're dead or they're waiting to do something else i'm not sure um but I, I kind of like that they were there, although it, it again kind of raised these questions for me. Like, wait, like, why are they able to do this, and they're not Siths? And I don't know. I, I, I'm not convinced about the the Inquisitors. Yeah, it's hard to know. It, it's true. Maybe they do report to Snoke. Um, you know, the thing about Snoke is that I think we have to assume if he's not Darth Plagueis that he's been around in the background for a while, and. You know, I like the idea that with the Sith in particular, there are plots within plots within plots, you know, and as powerful and right. smart as some Sith get or think they are, that there's always someone, you know, eviler and smarter out there planning and the good guys just have to main, remain vigilant. I mean, that's the message of The Force Awakens is they got complacent and, you know, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. A situation we're facing now where if people stop being vigilant, bad things are going to happen. I buy that. So what about um, what, uh, what about Maul? Oh, actually, no, real quick about the Inquisitors. Um, I think it's great. I mean, it's an easy way to add more dark Jedi that don't have to be Sith. It, it, it makes the distinction that you can have more than two. You just can't have more than a Sith Master and a Sith Apprentice, but you can have dark Jedi, you know. Um, the, the, the twirling of the, uh, you know, two-sided 
Um, lightsaber to fly is a little weird, but so is jumping 100 feet over a canyon. So uh, I'm willing to roll with it. And they keep finding creative ways for, for Ezra and, uh, and Kanan with you know, a single sword to, to fight the guys off, I think is cool. Yeah, I, I like the weapon. I think it's cool. I, I like I like different um, weapons that wield uh, kyber kyber crystal power. Did I did I get that dorky enough? Was that good? Yeah, kyber crystal baby. Yeah, buddy. So yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not anti uh, inquisitors. I just yeah, I, I want more information, I guess. But I mean, mostly yeah. I mean, and, and there's always lightsaber duels. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so. Here's the theory that Maul is tied to Snoke and that Snoke is trying to engineer the end of the empire, but create chaos so he can take over with his particular version. I, I like that. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, okay, that would add. So we've kind of seen more breadth of what um, the rebels are, what the rebellion is. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, you know, the empire seems pretty bland to some degree, but if we can, you know, if we if humanize a little bit, if we can, we can expand that world a little bit. And even to say, like, you know, I talked about my buddy, like the Sith Lord guy, like, you know, the Sith don't necessarily believe in the Empire, right? I mean, that doesn't necessarily resonate. I mean, I don't know that it doesn't, but like, maybe it, maybe, maybe it, maybe it doesn't. So maybe there is, there are other force wielding folks that belong to the dark side that don't a subscribe to the Sith or b want anything to do with the Empire. And so maybe Snoke is back there and maybe he resurrected Maul and maybe Maul comes back and, you know, doesn't want to have anything to do with this empire. And that's all very interesting. I think that's all very interesting. Yeah. I think an argument could have, uh, could be, or could have been made that if they had separated Kylo Ren and Snoke from the first order in force awakens might've been more interesting, you know, creating a different faction, um, have them doing their own thing, having learned the lessons of Palpatine, get you know, putting too much faith in, in human civilizations and in, in, in militaries and so forth. I think that's what's happening. I think Snoke knew that they were going to get destroyed and ha- would have to to move. You know, he was just way too comfortable with the whole situation. I know he wasn't there, but he wasn't. You know, it, it was like all part of his plan or whatever. And I think we're not going to see a lot of the First Order in the, the new movie. And so I have no idea what the bad guys are going to be like. I, I, I think it's going to be a lot with our, our our main crew for sure. Yeah, I hope it's less First Order. It did feel a little repetitive, and so. I would be more interested if, if evil took on a different different and more uh, rich tone yeah. going forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big question is, you know, should we add more lightsabers going forward? You know, I mean, it seems like a stupid thing to ask oneself, but there are moments in, you know, Rebels where it's almost too much lightsaber, but because it's a cartoon and it goes quickly and it's stylized, you know, they can they can make it cool. But with the movies, you have to have the emotional stakes every time, or it's just not there. It's true. It's true. It's true. And I mean, it's not that I don't like the First Order. It's just there is that question of, it looks eerily similar to the Empire. Like, how did that happen so easily? And yeah, I think I think your point, like Snoke's being connected to it seems a little too repetitive or convenient. Like, why, you know, why couldn't there be the First Order on its own? I, I really appreciate you saying that, because I would have liked that, I think, a little better. There's the first order, and then there's this Kylo Ren guy that's doing stuff. I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't know. I, it's I could make reasons for it, but I do like that 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 idea. 
I was just going to say for my my last actual uh, point, and then we can wrap up with a couple thoughts, is that, you know, seeing Rogue One gave me more confidence before I even started watching Rebels that what they were trying to what I knew they were trying to do on Rebels would work because Rogue One so smoothly fit right into the continuity and made it more complex, more layered without interrupting anything. And and I think Rebels is for the most part uh towing that line absolutely beautifully. Um, but even more so, it's sort of the nexus, the ultimate Star Wars nexus now between the extended and, and mainline cinematic universe, you know, universes in terms of ships and technology and political and aliens and history and, you know, nerd Jedi stuff, right? I mean, this, this is sort of like the, the fulcrum, if you will. No pun intended. Yeah, it does seem to be. And it, and it's, and again, like where, where, um, you know, the Clone Wars wasn't interesting, this tells part of the story we didn't know. And so, yeah, I think, I think it is the fulcrum for the future and the new stuff. And I'm actually interested in watching it where, yeah, Clone Wars just didn't, didn't interest me. It just, there was nothing, it didn't seem like there was anything worth value. Although I guess there are, there are parts like, you know, they talk about the Mandalorian Wars that I guess we're going to learn more about that might've been interesting, but you know, five seasons worth of, you know, some stuff being cool and maybe not enough being cool. Wasn't worth it to me. Although if we're if we're nearing the end, I would like to start talking about age relation stuff in terms of Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind if I just um, just pl- like plug this really, this thing really quick? Uh, just to say that we're recording this on on, on Tuesday, uh, February seventh. This will probably come out on the eighth or ninth. Um, and so a week from this Saturday, I think it's the eighteenth. Uh, the new season starts, uh, so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. Um, uh, and uh, I'll throw it back to you, man, um, about the, the age-appropriate stuff. It's on Disney. I don't know what Disney XD is. Um, the commercials <laughs> are hard to watch, even in, in fast motion. It's like, oh, my God, uh, mind-numbing. Uh, so what, what, was your, uh, what was your family experience? Because this is always interesting with Star Wars. So... My family experience, I have two things I'd like to say in, in relation to age relation in Star Wars, but you asked me specifically about my family. And so I went and stayed with my cousin who has two young boys aged four and one years old. And I noticed that four-year-old little dude had like bathtub Star Wars toys, but they were kind of cutified. Like they looked, they so like Chewbacca looked a little cuter than Chewbacca looks in real life. Like, um... What was another example? But they were, they're kind of babyfied. And so I asked, because I was really curious. I'm like, oh, like is, is Tate watching Star Wars? And not, I didn't ask about Star Wars Rebels in particular, but I just meant Star Wars. And I think we talked about what I let my kids see, um, my theoretical child, um, see Rogue One. And so the answer is that no, Tate is not watching any Star Wars content. However... Um, he and his dad are reading Star Wars like storybooks at uh, night yes. like for children. So so that I am not bothered by this, although I think this is the Disneyification of Star Wars. And again, it's brilliant that Disney bought this. I mean, they're just making money hand over fist and say what you will about that. But look, th- these are stories that I've loved my whole life. Like, I mean, they're running with it. They're and they're not doing a bad job so far. Like these stories are fun. Like they're good. Like I've been happy with Disney's involvement so far. And if anything, it's improved it. 
And um, so that was a that was a direction that, that it's gone. And so they have, you know, yeah. They're, so they're buying all these toys. They're making money hand over fist. But they've got another kid that's interested in like R2D2 and and Chewy, and he knows all these names. He has the pajamas, and it's it's, it's interesting. I, I I think it's pretty cool. Although he has not seen any of the movies, the original movies or the TV shows, and maybe four is too young. However, I just I want to think that I began watching those movies and maybe it had no idea what the hell was going on really when I was four, but I feel like I first began watching them around then in some capacity. Oh yeah. And so again, I don't know what retention I don't know what retention was at that age, but I do want to say that I began watching around then. And so I want to say that and I also want to talk about a friend of mine who had a daughter um, who I think ages three, four, five, six, started watching Star Wars and she started watching – she actually went one, two, three, four, five, six. She, that's the order of episodes. And I actually love The Clone Wars, and I think that's more appropriate. I think you know, if you're a kid, yeah, that, you're more into watching that show. And I bring up that up, bring that example up. This, this little girl, who's probably not a little girl anymore, her favorite character of them all is Darth Vader. She loves yeah, Darth Vader. That's like, what I'm has, saying this huge emotional like connection to Darth Vader and just fascinated by Darth Vader. And I think, I think it's really cool. And like, I've asked, I've asked parents that have younglings to use a nice star Wars, annoying phrase. Like, how would you present star Wars to your children? Like, do you go one, two, three, four, five, six, do you go four, five, six, one, two, three, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, my friend that showed it to her daughter, one, two, three, four, five, six, said that seemed to make the most sense to her daughter, like just present it chronologically. Yeah, that's a tough decision as a parent. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's funny you mentioned the, the storybook because my my uh, twin nephews just turned one um, and I'm going, maybe I should like pre-buy some of the Star Wars stuff a few years ahead of time, like while it's out. But I, by the time they're four, man, like three years from now, I have to think there's going to be a shit ton of Star Wars stuff for kids still. Um, yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere. Unless, unless, unless Donald Trump, excuse me, oh, no. unless Mr. President Trump <laughs> finds it too subversive and like bans it as like propaganda or something like that. There was a... There was a protest of Rogue One by some conservatives. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, pun intended. That's amazing. Your story, uh, yeah. Um, great, great stuff about the family. I'm totally on board with all it, with all that. All I'll say is, A, it is weird that they get the materialist stuff first and then eventually see the movies, I think is, is interesting. Um, but I also think, man, like, think about it, like, Let's say they're only a year apart. So let's say when you were eight, you saw Force Awakens and you loved it. But if you saw Rogue One when you're nine, I feel like that's going to make a big impression on you. I could be wrong. You know, not cynical enough about this, but I feel like a nine or smart nine or ten year old would really identify with the more adult themes in Rogue One. I could be wrong. I, I yeah. I mean, and I don't think that's bad. I mean, no. I don't think that's bad at all. Like fucking phenomenal. I mean, I think. Yeah, and I, 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 I would still say I would have taken – now, I don't know if I would have taken my four-year-old to see it. I don't know if four-year-olds can actually sit through a movie. Probably not, but yeah, I, I think 
don't know. I guess, and I guess the last thing I want to say about age-related content is that I've loved Star Wars since I was a little boy, and so if children get to continue sharing in Star Wars, however it is, like I think that's awesome. Because ultimately, well, but just ultimately, and I think that you know we talked about this, like the idea of making a Star Wars movie like rated R, or like a series rated R. It's like I think Star Wars more than anything else, like really goes back to the idea of like make believe and like play and fantasy, and I, I would hate to see that be restricted i don't want to see it become too adult like it helps me feel like a kid again to enjoy star wars and so i don't want to what's the word bad corrupt it i guess yeah i mean just to lead us to my sort of final two-sided question to you um is that it's you know (laughs) there are times and i'm like oh eventually like star wars it'll just lose its luster and it won't it won't be in the cultural zeitgeist and and kids won't be into it but if you look at the rebels plots the best ones that they spend the most time on like vader yoda the mandalorians the clones i mean it's all canon stuff like that's what they want you know i mean the mandalorians even dress and act like mandalorians like who knew 40 years ago that kids today would give up two shits about mandalorians you know i think it's great i think it's absolutely great um, and so well, I wanted to ask you, you can answer either or both or neither of these questions. It's up to you. Uh, I was just going to ask what's your, your favorite part about the show. And what's your least favorite part about the show? Um, my favorite part of the show is that it's just another, I get the, I get star Wars content, um, in my life. You know, I, I don't have to wait till December. Like I'm still in the star Wars universe. Um, so I, that's my favorite part of the show. Um, my least favorite part of the show. Um, I'm a little annoyed with Zeb's characterization. I think yeah. they make him a little. T- they started to flush a him lot out of a people, more, but I don't like. Him. Yeah, I don't like when they kind of make him just like stupid or like kind of like just like he's he's. I think he's more complex than they've showed him to be, but I think that they've. I think the writing has been a little soft for Zeb, so I think that's kind of my least favorite part of the show. Yeah, I'm. I I, I get that. But for the most part, they've just actually made him just more brooding than stupid. And he sometimes, you know, plays up some stupidity that you don't, he doesn't even buy just for, for humor. And he likes fucking with Ezra and so forth. He's definitely not a developed enough character, but I, I think he fits a nice, a nice place. They've just been having trouble in his episodes, uh, kind of making it happen. Uh, but as a support character, right. I totally buy that he would be on that crew and that they would all fit together. Absolutely. There's no doubt that he doesn't belong. I like Zeb. I like that Zeb's on the show. I think from a writing perspective, he's become more two-dimensional as the show's gone on. And I, I think that that's a little weak. I think he could be – I would like to see him have more dimensionality to him. Well, it's interesting, man, because if this goes on more uh, longer than a year or two, regardless of any connections or non-connections with current movies – they're going to bump the t- bump into both the Rogue One and the original trilogy in the timeline. Do they have to end it after five seasons? It's unclear. Maybe they should. I'm all about shows ending on their, their own uh, volition. You know what I mean? That's one of my favorite parts about Breaking Bad is that the show ended. You know, it's like it's people like it, but the yeah. show has an end. The story has an end where, you know, Jesus Christ, Dexter, like, got so bad. Like, really? Like, end the fucking show, you know? Like, it was good. There was exciting bites about it, but God, end it. Absolutely. Do you have a, a least favorite part? or a, I mean, you made some small criticisms, but is there something that really, that no, really I think bugs that, you? I think, yeah, that's it. 
No, I think n- no, not really. I yeah. mean, but I, I do. I am. I do get annoyed with not Zeb, but I get annoyed with his his writing. I think it, it feels a little. Mm-hmm. And I, I and I, and he's not. You know, he's not a humanoid. So I find that you know, if, I don't know if racist is the right word, but it kind of feels racist. Like why why can't he be a more have more depth? To well, him? Sabine and Hera are pretty empowered, but they're humanoid. Oh, uh, you think because he looks like an so animal? I, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I think so. That that bothers me. I think mm-hmm. that I think it's. I just I I, I I think it's a missed opportunity. I would like to see him more yeah. complex. Although although, the show does address in a very touching and funny way the 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 enslavement of the droids. In fact, they've done it numerous times. Yeah, I I, I still I still yeah. It does. I mean, that's what I don't like about it, and I still, I still feel that way. I think, I think, I don't like the characterization of Zeb. I think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're not doing it with Zeb, is what I'm saying. <laughs> they're doing it through through the droids in terms of addressing rate, you know, racism or or you know, enslavement of people that are different. Even though the droids are smarter than them in some ways, they go along with it. It's totally an Isaac Asimov thing. Um, it, it's not the most appealing thing about the good guys, but it does complexify their characters, which I think is important in, in you know, in, in archetype heavy uh, properties like, like star Wars. And they hint at the enslavement um, in the original trilogy. They definitely hint at it or talk about it in the, in the prequels in, in a way or in a couple ways. But uh, that would be interesting. It would be interesting if, yeah, it'd be interesting if Zeb and uh, Chopper bonded over <laughs> being discriminated against. Yeah. Well, I don't think Zeb is discriminated against necessarily by his crew. Yeah. I think the writers discriminate against Zeb. Yeah. I have to say, man, you talked about loving cartoons. I love cartoons. There's nothing I love more than watching, you know, little Ezra jump on Chopper and then beat the shit out of each other as they go all over the ship. And Ezra's just like on top of them, hitting them with a wrench and a big smile on his face. I, I, I just think that's hysterical. That's great cartoon stuff. I, and I, I I like that too. I like that it has some cartoon elements to it, but without being too campy, which yeah. is good. But you know, Chopper's got Chopper's got an attitude. I like that. You know, he, he's like, I, mean, I think you. Chopper's great. Yeah, Chopper's awesome. I, yeah. I, I again, I just think Zeb is a weak character, and it's not Zeb's fault. I think yeah. the writing is right. missing something. All right, so um, we will end on predictions. Um, any big predictions about this this season or the current arc going on? We know at least the next episode is a continuation of the Dark Saber. I have to think they're building towards a, th- a thing with Mandalore at the end of uh, the season, and then Darth Vader or someone will show up, right? That seems likely. Um, Maul and Kenobi. Um, so we, I want to see what happens there. Yeah. I think I think Vader I think Vader kills Maul. I think Vader and Kenobi kill Maul or something. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I um, I mean, the biggest prediction, obviously, I have is that Ezra is related to uh, Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, I, I, I'm really pumped to see. I definitely want to see Obi Wan Kenobi. Like, I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah. And I like, and I will say, I like, I like Maul in the show too. Like Maul's been. Fun I love Maul. I think he's been great. Yeah, absolutely. I knew that was him because I was I was doing a rewatch, you know, when he didn't reveal himself in Twilight of the Apprentice. But I, it was a great, great performance, and that that voice actor Sam Witwer is excellent. And I love, 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 and we haven't even talked about this at all. Is Thrawn is wonderful. He is. Oh, wonderful. Thrawn. 
He is badass and great. For yeah, he's great. So big fan of Thrawn. Yeah, totally uh, big fan of Thrawn. Again, it's you, know, you want to hate the Empire. They do have some cool stuff. Uh, I will also add that the you know all the introductions of the A wings and the B wings is fantastic. They steal the Y wings. You know, totally love that shit. Um, yeah, my, my my prediction is things are going to start going not so well for them. Like for an extended period, uh, the show has gotten darker. They made Ezra older for a reason. You know, the stuff with with Saw was really dark for a kids' cartoon. I mean, he was torturing that poor alien. Um, which, by the way, shout out to Forrest Whitaker for, like, totally playing for a character that looked a thousand years younger than the character from two years later in Rogue One and changing his voice to make it work. That, that was impressive. Um, and uh, my girl Katie Sackoff from Battlestar, uh, Starbuck, is coming back to reprise a character she played in the Clone Wars, um, who's a fan favorite. I think she's an Ahsoka associate or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, they continue to get good good voice talent. Uh, Adam, I would, uh, I, would, I would not urge you, but I, I would suggest if you IMDB or Wiki, the main characters, they very very interesting background some of them have like a thousand voice credits some of them it's like they're pretty new um sabine's voice person is indian i don't know if you knew that um indian american and has uh they've all done some really cool stuff um cool man thanks so much for being uh on um i guess there's like what five episodes left in the season they do this like mid 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 break uh thing i don't know i just kind of check when when it's going to be uh, i'm not going to admit i'm not going to explain how i watch the episodes with that because i'm gonna get myself in trouble but um i know there hasn't been one recently and i look forward to the next one and i wanted to i, I wanted to say i'm sorry i'm not a fan just because i haven't watched but i understand that a prominent Battlestar galactica character well actor oh, passed yeah. away and so i just acknowledge that on the bizzle cast yeah um the bill well he he also was extremely prominent on both battle stars the first one i could care less about but he was iconic uh but they they, they brought him in as like a quick guest role in season one of battle star richard hatch who played the original leah dama um aka apollo um and they brought him back as like a terrorist who works his way to the presidency and causes all sorts of trouble uh very interesting political issues very interesting guy it was one of those dudes that was at all the conventions. He actually ripped, ripped Battlestar Galactic before it happened. You know, he was like, there's no way it can be the same thing, blah, 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 even though no one liked the original <laughs> that much. But uh, he was hooked after he saw the miniseries, and so they got him on very quickly, and he became basically an extended part of the cast. So very sad to lose him. Um, and uh, But very happy to have you on, man. This was great. Wanting to do a Rebels 1 for a while. Um, and, uh, we, we should definitely tease that we have another podcast coming up with you, uh, maybe about a month from now. You want to give a little, uh, tease to the Bizzlecast listeners? Thank you for that, Bizzle. Yes. Um, Bones Yard will re- be releasing our third album where muscle cars roam. And I sent the Bizzle, essentially a completed version of the album to listen to, and then to talk about on the Bizzlecast. And oh yeah. I don't know if we're reviewing it, but just to to talk about, ask questions, and uh, 
promote it and um, just share something that I'm very proud of and something that I put a lot of thought and intention into. So um, I look forward to talking about it um, in a little more depth than I have about other musical ventures in the past. Absolutely, man. I, I fucking can't wait to do that. Uh, so keep us all posted. Um, Bones Yard, keep your eyes out, people. Uh, look for the Bizzlecast maybe a couple weeks from now. We'll have him back on to talk some music. And uh, yeah, man, uh, much love. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you, Mr. Bizzle. And the Bizzlecast is out.